welcome to the Strengthened by Stories podcast, where we come together as friends to connect and share our life's experiences to ensure we know we're not alone on this journey we call life. Whether these experiences are anticipated or unexpected, we focus on how we can choose to be strengthened amidst the circumstances that come our way. Thanks for joining us as we share relatable stories that can bring awareness and comfort to everyday life. I'm Janica Segrist, and I hope you'll stick around to be strengthened by stories. Hey everyone, we are here today with Melissa from Melissa Saves on Instagram. I've been following her for almost a year, I believe, and I just love her feed and her take on life. She is uplifting and an awesome asset to our community. I was thrilled when she connected with me and was willing to share a story from her life. So I'm excited to introduce you to her. Melissa, thanks for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then feel free to jump right into your story? Well, I am Melissa. I am the mother of four kids. And if you visit my feed often, it is a finance and um, budgeting Instagram, but I like to douse it heavily in kindness and valuing life. And so my story kind of starts there. Uh, Sometimes when people ask you what your biggest, what the biggest mistake you ever made was, you don't know quite how to answer. And a lot of things come to mind, but that's an easy one for me. I don't really regret one particular act or choice or mistake. I simply regret being so miserable every time I didn't have to be. To some degree, I suppose that's unavoidable, part of being human. But as I've come to find out, there are two kinds of people in this world. People who look for opportunities to be happy and help, and people who look for even the smallest chance to yell that the sky is falling. For the longest time, I made a concerted and constant effort to be the latter. That is my biggest regret. At the ripe old age of 17, I was pretty certain of how life would go. I struggled a lot in high school with friends, with my parents, with myself even. I was going to graduate from high school, leave all my problems and anxiety behind me, and I'd go meet the cutest guy on campus, we'd fall madly in love and spend the rest of our days holding hands and having babies. Sounds pretty grand, right? Well, let me tell you how things really went and about a woman who single-handedly taught me how to make life really good. I graduated from high school in mid-May. By June 1st, I was living in Rexburg, Idaho. School didn't start until January, but I couldn't wait even a second longer to make my own way. So I left home, found a job, found a second job, met some new roommates, and did my own thing. It was a good time. I met a lot of really fun people, stayed out way too late, and threw myself at one too many boys. It was all play with just enough work sprinkled in to keep myself afloat. January rolled around, and school suddenly wasn't the reason I had moved to Rexburg anymore. I did just enough to stay enrolled, and before I knew it, school was slipping, my church attendance was a rarity, I was managing the front office of a construction company at the time for work and found myself interested in all the wrong people. 
In short, I was doing everything my parents had ever raised me not to. The next six months was a series of bad choices and broken hearts, which in turn led me to take a job at the local Applebee's. At this point, I had been out on my own for almost two years. I was completely inactive in the church, wasn't sure that I even believed in myself, let alone God, and had been asked to leave BYU-Idaho. Things weren't going quite as I had expected. It turns out you can't leave your problems in another state. It was close to closing at Applebee's on a cold January night when in walked three young men. I could tell almost immediately that they were not local college students. They looked a little rougher, lots of facial hair, which is strictly forbidden at BYU-Idaho, and one boy in particular had that local farm boy charm about him. I asked him how many were in their party. I walked them to their table, and I couldn't take my eyes off the tall, blonde, sideways smile boy who had barely even noticed me. I went back to a table where some other servers were sitting, and I quickly scribbled my number on a napkin, determined to give it to him something completely outside my nature. I took three laps around the bar before I realized just how outside my nature it actually was. Lucky for me, a friend grabbed the napkin from my hand and delivered it to him. Tall farm boy called me that night. We spent four hours on the phone. He was going on a business trip for a week the next morning, but promised we'd get together as soon as he got back. We spent almost every spare minute of that week on the phone with each other. He came home, took me for a ride in the hills in his pickup, and we were inseparable for three whole months until he asked me to marry him. He was kind and funny, determined to be someone, was great with kids and wanted a family. And most of all, best of all, he was the first person to make me feel special just the way I was. I didn't need to change. I didn't need to be skinnier or prettier or smarter, more social, more trendy, more spiritual, or any of the things I beat myself up about over and over again. He just liked me. It was simple. And I was even more crazy about him, so I said yes. And seven months later, we were married in a tiny little town in nowhere, Idaho. Once again, I was making grand plans. Plans that involved pretty houses and vacations and babies and careers. My new husband was self-employed, had a great job, and and it wasn't long before we discovered that we were going to have a baby. After the initial shock wore off, we were ecstatic. We picked names, we hoped for a boy, and we got really excited. It was the 20-week ultrasound that rocked our worlds a little bit. We went in expecting a gender reveal and lots of celebrating, and we did just that. Our sweet baby was a boy, but then the ultrasound tech looked concerned and told us that she needed to visit with a doctor and that they would both be back in to speak with us shortly. We didn't know what was wrong, but something was definitely wrong. When the doctor came back in, he told us that our baby had a pretty severe case of bilateral club feet, a term I had never even heard up to this point. We were told that in order for our child to ever walk, he would need several years of castings, therapies, and surgeries. He then told us that in cases like our babies, where the clubbing was so severe, they also expect to find cleft palate. Since our baby was so small and not really cooperating, they weren't certain he had cleft palate, but they couldn't rule it out either. He discussed with us our options should we choose to move forward with the pregnancy. Of course we would move forward with the pregnancy. We were talking about something that could be fixed, right? How was this even a question? We were also in the midst of preparing to move to Minneapolis, Minnesota for the summer for my husband's work. 
So the doctor gave us contact information for geneticists, orthopedist specialists, pediatric plastic surgeons, high-risk OBGYNs. I left that appointment more overwhelmed and worried for my first new little baby than I'd ever been in my life. Had I done something to cause this? What would his life look like? Then I realized in horror that we had neglected to get any sort of health insurance, thinking we made good enough money to pay for a baby out of pocket. To summarize the next few months, because even now it feels like a blur, we got really awful, pre-existing conditions, self-employed, blue cross of whatever state you live in, health insurance. We moved clear across the country with no friends or family, and we were certain we would be back in the comforts of Idaho before the baby came. Well, that summer didn't go so well. Work didn't go as planned, and we welcomed our sweet little boy amidst one of the worst tornado seasons that Minnesota had ever seen. I still remember after 19 and a half hours of hard labor, looking at his broken little legs, with the bottoms of his feet laying flat against his stomach, while the backup generators to the hospital flickered, my husband being the only person I really knew, for hundreds of miles and just being so terrified. I remember looking at his perfect little face and being so grateful that it was only his feet. Even still, this wasn't at all how I had planned welcoming my first baby into the world. At two days old, my new baby received his first set of casts that ran from his hips to his toes on both legs. I had to leave the room as my husband held his tiny body The doctors twisted and contorted his legs and feet every which way, and he screamed in pain. I was so exhausted. I wanted to be home in Idaho. I wanted my baby to be okay. We got back from the casting appointment to find that the sales crew we had moved out to Minneapolis with had left without us. Our apartment complex felt like a ghost town, and we were left holding our new baby with no idea of what to do next. By some miracle, we landed on our feet in Boise, Idaho. We found new orthopedic specialists. We found a new job. We had a tiny one-bedroom apartment, a mattress on the floor, and no idea what we were doing. Laying down set roots meant that medical bills had time to catch up to us, and boy, did they. We found out the hard way all the loopholes that insurance companies take to not pay your bills. We had our baby early, so he was born out of state, not covered. The corrective procedures that had been recommended to us and that we had chosen to help our son walk someday, not covered. There was no way around them. We paid the minimum payments and hoped for the best. But it wasn't long before we found out the new company my husband had been working for had spread themselves too thin. They were sinking and we were going down with them. Paychecks began coming later and later. It had only been a year since we'd moved to Boise, but we had no other choice but to pack up shop and move again, this time to my home state, Washington. My husband and two of his friends decided to take opportunity by the horns and start their own business. It did pretty well. We did pretty well, and we were starting to see a teeny tiny light at the end of the mountain of medical bills that we had racked up over the last year and a half, something to the tune of 117000 to be exact. Doctors' visits and trips to the orthotic implement fittings became our new normal, and I almost let myself take a breath. Maybe things were going to be okay. Maybe. And then, because it seemed to be our lot in life, the rug was pulled out from underneath us. For reasons I won't go into, and that were mostly outside our control, we lost the business. 
and we were once again moving on to the greener pastures that we could never seem to find. We found what we were sure was our next big stepping stone in Spokane, Washington. About the time, about the same time, we found out that we were newly pregnant. I was so very sick, and I had sunken into a dark hole all by myself. Why didn't anything ever work out for us? Why were we drowning? We were good people. We made our best efforts to be honest and have faith and make good choices on the behalf of our family, but nothing ever seemed to go our way. We had very little money, to the point that some weeks I wasn't sure how we were going to put food on the table. We made a decent amount of money, certainly not so little that you would think it would result in homelessness or starvation, but so much of our money was being sucked away by so many different hospitals and specialists and therapists and our self-employed health insurance that it left very little for us to live on. So I did what came natural to me. I shut myself in. I didn't want friends. I didn't want to go to church. I just wanted to be left alone to wallow in my own misery. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> that sounds just a little bit dramatic. This is really negative, so what's my point? Remember the woman I mentioned earlier, the one that changed my entire perspective on life? The woman who quite literally saved me from myself? Enter Heather. Heather and her husband, Monty, and their four children lived across the unfenced common backyard of our little group of townhomes. I don't really know how she knew we moved in. She just showed up with her oldest daughter, some cookies, and the biggest, brightest smile I've ever seen on a complete stranger and said, we're so glad you're here. My initial reaction was to be really bothered. We wouldn't be here long given our track record, and I didn't really need any friends. Well, there was only a tiny one-lane dirt road in and out of those townhomes, and it seemed like every time I left my house, Heather was coming or going with that great big smile and a wave like we'd been best friends for her entire life. It wasn't until she was assigned as my visiting teaching companion that I was forced to interact with Heather and her larger-than-life personality on a regular basis. She made the appointments every month like clockwork and was just as happy to pick me and my little boy up and make the rounds as she had been the last half-dozen times. Everyone loved Heather. And Heather loved everyone back doubly as hard. My now two-year-old started calling her Feather, and his favorite thing to do was to wander across the backyard to her door. It was getting harder and harder not to love her. It was on the way home from completing another round of visiting teaching that Heather decided to take a detour to a very small local grocery store. She parked in the very back of the parking lot, told me that she needed to run in for some milk, and asked if that was okay. I told her that it was. What she did next will be ingrained in my brain until the day I die. She reached over, grabbed my hand, and for no reason at all, asked me if everything was okay. It wasn't. Things had been particularly rough. Paychecks had been a little smaller than anticipated. I was stressed about the new baby girl headed our way, and without even hesitating or thinking, I spit out that it had been a few weeks since I had set foot in a grocery store and we were living off the very small food storage we had managed to scrape together when things were a little less tight. Without missing a beat, she smiled that great big smile of hers, unloaded my little boy into a shopping cart and said, don't cry, we can fix this. I was as equally humbled and grateful as I was embarrassed. I remember picking out the bare essentials 
basic pantry staples, not wanting to take too much as she encouraged me to put more and more and more into the grocery cart. There was no stopping this woman. She was going to feed us, and she was going to feed us well. And just when I thought she was finished, she took my two-year-old over to the ice cream case and told him to pick any carton of ice cream that he wanted. We hadn't had a lot of money for as long as his short little memory, memory could recall. This was something he'd never really had the opportunity to do. The excitement was so real for him that he was shaking. I, of course, ugly cried all the way through the checkout line and out to the car. But Heather's kindness didn't stop there. Over the next several months, Heather found every way imaginable to take our struggling little family under her wing. Not once did she ask, how can I help? Or let me know if you need anything. She just did what she thought needed to be done. She wasn't going to give you a chance to say, I'm fine, or we're okay. With our first baby girl coming, she must have known that we were in no position to buy all the cute clothes and frilly things we would have liked to. So she showed up on our doorstep one day after visiting her sister in Idaho, who just happened to have three trash bags full of gently used baby girl everything. It was all so perfect, and I was so grateful. A few weeks later, I got an invite in the mail to a baby shower. It was my own baby shower, organized and carried out by none other than Heather herself. She had paid close attention to our family and her routine visits to take note of our biggest needs, a car seat, diapers, a breast pump, and made sure that each and every one of those needs were met. Her service to our family just kept coming. When she noticed that I played the piano one day, she asked if I taught lessons. I told her I had all through high school, but hadn't taught for quite some time. She asked if I would be willing to teach her three oldest children. I hadn't been teaching them for more than a month before somehow the entire ward knew that I taught lessons and I had a growing little group of students that helped us make ends meet. Knowing that we probably couldn't afford date nights or babysitters, Heather regularly sent her oldest daughter over to babysit free of charge so at the very least my husband and I could get out and go for a drive. We ate dinner at their home, we went trick-or-treating together, and built much more than a friendship. Their family became our family. When baby girl finally did arrive, I'm sure you can guess who the very first person to our door with a hot meal was. Oh, how she loved my babies, and they loved their feather. She made me happy. She made me feel not so alone. She always knew the right thing to say and how to help. She was a very real answer to my prayers. All this time I had been praying for our financial issues to go away, for our burdens to somehow dissolve, for big promotions, for mercy from the medical billing departments, for money to magically fall from the sky, as if somehow money or something bigger and better would make everything all right, when all I really needed was Heather. Unfortunately, the time came for Heather's family to move on. Her husband took a job in Idaho, and I was so sad to see her go. In true Heather form, even upon her departure, she found a way to help. She asked if I would be willing to clean their rental after they moved to Idaho and offered to pay me. I agreed, needing the money. They moved their belongings. I cleaned. They came back for the last load and insisted on paying me way more than was merited. <clears throat> and I gave my very best girlfriend in the whole wide world at the time one last teary goodbye. 
lest you think cleaning the cleaning money was her parting gift. It was her words that changed everything for me. As I stood in her driveway with a baby on my hip and one racing around the yard with her friends, I couldn't begin to imagine how I was going to do this without her, and I think she could tell. So she wrapped me in a great big hug, told me I was going to be okay, and then she told me that there were still plenty of people left in Spokane to love. At first I laughed, but the more I pondered on it, the more I realized why Heather was so happy. In our short 18 months as neighbors, I wasn't the only one to face trials. But Heather's never seemed to bother her. She was always happy. She was always helping. It was as President Thomas S. Monson had once said, to find real happiness, we must seek for it in a focus outside ourselves. It was that day that I decided if anything in our life were to change for the better, it would have to start with me. So I got on my knees and offered up the most sincere prayer I can ever remember giving. I remember promising the Lord that if he would bring us through this, whatever this was, if he would meet our needs and get us to a place where we were comfortable, I would take every opportunity possible to use our blessings to benefit others. That we would be nothing more than mere stewards of all that he would ever see fit to give us. And we would use everything to make a difference. I would be a Heather. Almost immediately, the opportunities to serve came. They came before the stability and the financial peace, and it was hard. It was so hard. It was hard to get a call to take a meal to a neighbor family when I was struggling to feed my own family. But I, but I had made a promise, and I was determined to keep it. I began seeking out opportunities to give of not only my time and my talents, but of the things that were hardest for me to give at the time, anything that cost money. As shallow and as awful as that sounds, that was my reality. Little by little, it began to get easier. Little by little, it began to be a joy to give, and things began to matter less to me. Little by little, I began to understand why Heather was so happy all the time. Though I still have yet to fill her shoes, I often find myself looking for opportunities to help for no reason at all. It just makes me happy. I can think of no greater compliment than for someone to say of me someday she was my friend and I was not alone or that perhaps in their greatest time of need I somehow in some very small way lightened that burden not because I am some great or grand person but because that's how the person I am now came to be just this last week an elderly friend was thanking me for a meal my little family had taken to her I had to laugh a little as thoughts of the 22-year-old, scared, cold, angry, and self-consumed me flickered in my memory. As she went on and on, I couldn't help but think to myself, if she had only met Heather. If you want to be happy, if you want to make the world a better place, if you want to raise children that know what life is all about, be a Heather. Thank you so much, Melissa. At times I wanted to chime in, but I just was taking back. And I think it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I could totally <laughs> relate to so many aspects. So I just want you to know, I don't know you like personally. I see you just like a Heather. 
Well, that's probably the greatest compliment anyone could ever pay me. So <laughs> I appreciate that. We have things to talk about. Let's see. <laughs> Going back when you said, I don't know why these things are happening to me. What would you tell people? Why do you think hard things happen to good people? You know, I used to, I remember, you know, in that moment, I for sure thought, that we were being punished for something. And it's certainly hard to go through something that's hard and not feel that way, not feel like you're not being heard or um, that you've been forgotten and that you're in this all alone. But I think that it's in those quiet moments that Heavenly Father is asking you to just have a little more faith. Just hang on for just a second because if you do, I'm going to prove to you everything that I've ever been saying, that you're not alone, that you are loved, and that there's something better on the other side of this. And I just, <laughs> I would say to anyone that's going through that, um, to just keep in mind that you're being polished, that you're being strengthened, that you're, you know, I I run half marathons. I'm not crazy enough to run a full one yet. Oh, you'll get there. <laughs> but I, I run these races and about mile eight or nine, you just think, this is it. I can't do this. This this is all I have left. Um, and it's not till you get to the end that you're like, look at how far I came. Look at how strong that made me. And look at what I did. And that that is what our trials are. It's going to mile eight and nine are going to be really hard, but you're going to get to the end and you're going to see that it, it benefited you and that you'll always be asked to go through something. So get used to trials, but get used to how they better you. Yeah, that's perfect. I loved how you said that it polishes you because it's so true. You become rough at times, but (laughs) that's how you, they have to be rough before you can be polished rough rough is a good <laughs> a good term for that cuz like i was like i said in my story um i'm almost embarrassed to look back at the person that i was cuz i was so self-consumed and so negative and so selfish and heavenly father knew that those were my weaknesses and he knew that the only way to knock off those rough selfish pessimistic corners were to put me through this and i'm not i'm by no means a you know, I'm still a little pessimistic and negative sometimes, but I can look back at this experience and things that the Lord has taught me and realize it's not that bad. It's okay. You're going to live. Yeah. <laughs> so it's true. I think we, when we focus outside ourselves, that helps a lot too. Just like Heather and Definitely. what you're doing right now is just like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I have a hard time accepting that compliment but I will (laughs) oh accept it (laughs) I was just going to talk about the many blessings that come even like when we don't expect it like Heather popped up in your life it just when you needed her and I'm sure teaching has become such a great part of your life it has I personally love teaching So every once in a while, like I taught dance for a little while 
and I have a little harp student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for those teaching opportunities that come right at that moment. And my husband is always telling me, you know, you don't have to do that. And I think he just wants me to know because he knows I love staying home. But because I've been able to do that, I've been able to bring in a tiny little bit, you know. (laughs) And isn't it great to do something that you love so much and feel like you're contributing and that you're helping solve a problem that you see, you know? Exactly. And there's been times in my life where I wish struggles would just go away and I didn't have to deal with them. (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) But they don't and you get through it. And, and they do go away and you do get through it. But as I like to tell people, the mountain lo- will look different, but you will always be asked to climb it. You're going to get through something and there's going to be another something, you know, mm-hmm. at no point will we ever be. I mean, even the prophet yeah. <laughs> goes through trials. It's all about the grace that you handle them with. Yes, for sure. Well, thank you for joining us. And Melissa, thank you for being so open with your story. Absolutely. If you guys would like to hear more from Melissa and hear about her budgeting tips and tricks, go follow her on Instagram at Melissa Saves. If you have a story of your own that you feel like you would like to share to make a difference in someone else's life, please don't hesitate to contact me. I would love to hear from you. I would also appreciate... If you could leave me some feedback here about this podcast, as well as subscribe or follow me on Instagram or your favorite podcast station so that you can know what story is coming up next. See you next time.